so excited for you guys to hear this episode today. We've got Kara Alwill, who literally might just be my new best friend, but she's also the Carrie Bradshaw of self-help. And if you've ever read any of her incredibly empowering books, Girl on Fire was pivotal in my professional career. And you might've listened to her podcast, Style Your Mind, or read her blog back in the day, The Champagne Diet, then you know exactly who I'm talking about. She is brutally honest about what it took to get where she is today. We discuss everything from her daily routine to her tips and tricks for getting herself out of a rut. We dive into how she decided to self-publish. Listen to this. Her first book, Girl on Fire, after being rejected 19 times by publishers. Stay tuned to the end to find out what she's working on next and be sure to check out her Instagram at The Champagne Diet. So freaking excited to just have time with you and to have you. I mean, it's the biggest honor. Your books and everything that I've learned from you over the years were incredibly pivotal in my own journey and so freaking just like empowering, you know, your voice and your message and everything you put out into the world. It's like I've never felt so aligned. And, oh. you know, if I could write all the books, they would literally be exactly what you write. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. It's weird. Like you get in your own head as an entrepreneur, especially an author and a writer, like so much of my time is spent alone. So hearing that is like so affirming for me. And like, really, I don't think people realize how, like how great it is to hear that feedback to keep you going, because it's very easy to just kind of think like, who cares? Who wants to hear what I have to say? Does this even matter? So I really appreciate that. Well, it matters. It matters big time. Absolutely. So here's something before we go into kind of just your message and everything we want to talk about and share, I want to know your story. Like how, how the heck did you end up here as this incredible, I mean, mogul of like women empowerment and, you know, your podcast and your blog and your books and everything. Like what was the journey there? What's the journey to today? Um, it's a long one. It's 14 years in the making from when I started my blog. So I started a blog in 2008, um, called it the champagne diet, very tongue in cheek name. It was like not meant to be serious. I never thought I would still be talking about the champagne diet today and forever, whoever knows how long. Right. But it was, um, actually it was kind of like a little bit of a wellness journey that it began as because I was looking for something that I could drink a bev- an adult beverage that I could drink. That wasn't going to be like 500 calories, right? Like beer or like a mixed drink or a cocktail. A lot of those can be really sugary and calorie laden. And one of my good friends, I was working full-time at MTV. She said to me like very matter of factly, like, no, you just, you just have to drink champagne. Like that's what you do. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, and I had never drank champagne in my life. To me, it was like this fancy drink. It was expensive. It was so out of reach, unattainable. So I really did initially start to drink champagne as like more of like a, like my dessert option, you know, like if I go out or go to brunch and very quickly, I noticed when I started to order champagne at like restaurants and bars and stuff, everybody would kind of turn their head. Like, what are you celebrating? Like, what's, what's the occasion? And it became this metaphor for me. And it made me feel really like elevated and special when I would drink champagne. And it became like the symbol of a life that I wasn't really living yet, but I knew I wanted to live. And it was really rooted in just like, it's not even about the alcohol, right? Cause there's, I have tons of girls who read my blog and have been with me who don't even drink, right. but it's about the, the attitude, right? It's about living this effervescent life, like choosing yourself, feeling glamorous, feeling beautiful, finding a reason to celebrate every day. 
I have chills like literally <laughs> up and down my whole entire body right now. Cause I'm like, yes, 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 yes. This is so awesome. Okay. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. So yeah. So I started the blog to really just chronicle like what I was going through. I guess if you could call it a quarter life crisis at the time, you know, I was in my twenties and kind of feeling like, is this really it for me? I was, like I said, I was in a day job and you know, MTV is a wonderful company. They were so good to me, but I was working in ads. I didn't really love what I was doing. I was this creative soul has always been a writer my whole life. And here I was in this corporate space in this really toxic, unhealthy relationship. I wasn't treating my body right. I wasn't taking care of myself on any level, spiritually, emotionally, physically. So I decided to the twenties, right? Yeah. It was complete (laughs) chaos, like a train wreck. (laughs) And I was like, I've got to change, you know, I've got to start like, like just choosing myself and living differently. So I started the blog as a way to chronicle what I was experiencing. I went through a breakup. Um, I started getting healthier physically, you know, emotionally, um, spiritually, I started reading law of attraction. The first you know, book I read in our space was the secret. And I remember like talking about it on the blog and applying those concepts. And the blog for me became like something for women who were in or wanted to learn about self-help, personal development, but in a way that related to them. Like I was a girl in my twenties living in New York city, like going out. I love fashion. I love cocktails. I love all those things. I didn't see that in the space. Yeah. You know, I saw a lot of men. I saw like a lot of Tony Robbins types and all of that. And I was like, there's, I want to kind of talk to the girls who love sex in the city and who love like, you know, I kind of wanted to be like the Carrie Bradshaw of like self-help. That was like sort of how I branded it. That's exactly where you are. You just like hit the nail on the head. And this is like all making sense. Now that we're talking one-on-one, I'm like, no wonder we're so aligned. So crazily enough, I literally just recorded a podcast this morning, a couple hours ago, the whole entire thing's on law of attraction. So like we get that, right? I have always been obsessed with Tony's work, but I also have always been like, why are there not more women on stages? Why are there not more women in this space? I mean, even now, you know, 15 years later, there's still not that many women in the space. It's crazy. If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course, every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner, and you guys can rise up with us. No, and there's not a lot of women, I think, that are kind of like more, and I, I, I really kind of shy away from using the masculine feminine thing, but I do think that there's like, I kind of call it being in flow, right? Like I see myself as a really creative person, a very flowy person, a very intuitive. I have like the masculine edge, of course, because I had to, and sure you do too, to get where we are and to work hard, but a lot of the, the, the people in the personal development world to me felt very intense. It was like this, you know, this go, go, go sort of attitude. And like, I just have always run my life and my business very differently. It's very like heart based and I'm not super spiritual, but I'm definitely spiritual, but I don't know. I just didn't see people like us, you know, who were like, so that was really like the void that I felt like I wanted to fill. And I still feel like I'm trying to fill that void because there's, like you said, there's just not enough women out there doing what we do. There's not. And what I find in flow is literally on my necklace. It's my word this year. So there you go. Wow. I love that. (laughs) Um, 
But I also feel like what I see a lot of is either the women that are in the space, they're a little bit like buttoned up like 1990s business women, or they're so out there that I'm like, whoo, that's a little too far out there for me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This, this doesn't really exist. So yeah, I couldn't find anyone that I really related to. Cause again, like a lot of the women who do kind of talk about femininity and all that stuff, they're like, so woo woo that like, I can't even like understand they're talking about like quantum things and fifth dimensions. I'm like, no, no, no. Okay. I live in Manhattan. Like I, there's no fifth dimension here for me. Like I I like get up and go and do my work, but I still am very intuitive. Right. Like I still do what feels good. I don't, you know, I still have to kind of like get through the day. I can't be so out there in my head that like, I'm not getting anything done. Right. Yes. Totally. So. <laughs> totally. So the champagne diet, the blog blows up, so, right? Well, the blog, it started to kind of like get traction. So this is like picture before Instagram. Like, can you even imagine a world before Instagram? That's how long ago I've been doing this. So all yeah. I had was like Twitter, you know, I'd go on Twitter and my personal Facebook page. And I would share my stories and I was getting a lot of responses, especially on Twitter from people I didn't know. Facebook was more like friends of friends, but just random people that would find me through hashtags. And, you know, they'd like send me these messages and be like, I really related to your story. You know, women from like Germany and Norway and Japan, it was like wild. So I thought to myself, how can I really take this and turn it into a career? I knew I wanted to write the book. Like the book was always happening. That's why I really started the blog. Cause I was like, I've got to write about this. And I always wanted to be an author. But I was like, how can I actually make money and build a career around empowering women? And then that's when I had the idea to start life coaching. And it was like one of those literally in the shower moments where I was like, I'm going to be a life coach. You know, I had this like lightning struck me. I didn't know what life coaching was. I didn't have a life coach. And I went into the crazy. So I just want to pause right there because I actually ended up, this is a total tangent for just a quick second. Yeah. I ended up owning a Pilates studio for like 15, 17 years. And I can remember the first time I walked into a Pilates studio, I was like, this is what I'm doing with my life. And my brother's like, what is it? I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, you just know. Yeah, you just know. You just know. And so many people just don't pay attention because those thoughts are like insane. Like, I don't even know what this is. It doesn't make sense. I don't have the time. You know, all the excuses start to come up. And it's like, when we pay attention to those moments, even though we don't know what the heck it is, like that's what leads to an extraordinary life. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And I think we talk ourselves out of things before we even let ourselves explore them. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's never going to work. Can't do that. Don't have enough money. I can't, I don't have the time. Like, it's just not me. It's not who I am. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too tall, too short, whatever yeah. bullshit we make up. Yeah. And we don't even let ourselves like explore it. So I yeah. love that you pursued the Pilates thing. You're like, I'm going to see what this is about. Let's right. figure it out. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I went into work that morning and I started Googling life coaching schools. I shut the door to my office and I started Googling life coaching schools and I called a bunch of them and by like, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, I was enrolled in a program that was starting the next week. And I didn't have a ton of money at the time because even though I was doing well at MTV, I was a director, but I wasn't, well, at that point I was a manager, but I mean, living in New York city, you're kind of like paycheck to paycheck, even if you're making six figures, it's so expensive. So I remember I found one that would let me do a payment plan. And I was super excited about that. And I just enrolled and I didn't know what I was doing. I would come home from work all day, take a bus home and train home, and then sit on these teleconferences from like, you know, like, let's say it was like seven to 10 PM at night, twice a week for eight weeks. And I did this program and I finished it. And I just 
went for it. I started coaching and then, you know, the coaching practice took off. I did a lot of groups. Um, and in that whole time frame, I was publishing my books as well. And another reason I really wanted to become a coach is because I wanted some credentials before I wrote my books. I was like, I don't want to just be a blogger who writes. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to really understand how I could take what I was experiencing and my perspective on the world and whatever wisdom I had gained along the way, and then turn that into something that would actually give someone the tools to apply to their own life. Yeah. So yes, yes. I feel this on every level. Oh yeah. I was like, I got it. I can't just talk. I want to help, you know? So, and there, I, I think my books kind of do both. Like it's storytelling, yeah. but there's always a lesson and there's questions, things to ponder and ask yourself. So, yeah. So, I mean, the journey was really blog to coaching to books. And then the podcast happened in 2017. I launched my podcast and I'm still doing that to this day. And I mean, there's so much more, but that's kind of just like, that's the short slash long story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So let me ask you this when, cause I feel like there's a little bit of a leap where a lot of my audience might be like, but how, so how did you get those first clients in those first groups when you were coaching? What did that look like? So again, I was building up my audience on Twitter and Facebook and I started to do little events. So I did, this is really funny. I always wanted a book launch party. This was my dream. And when I was writing my first book, that was what motivated me, like picturing myself signing books at a book launch party. So I found a local bookstore in my neighborhood. I lived in Brooklyn at the time in this like little suburban area of Brooklyn. And I walked in and I said to the owner, I don't have a book yet, but I have a blog. Can I throw a blog party? <gasps> and she was like, and I didn't even know what the hell that was. I just so made I'm it up. <laughs> I freaking love it. That's I was like, awesome. I want to have a blog party. She's like, sure. So I, you know, I had the space for the night and I had, you know, I bought some like cheap champagne and like cupcakes and I put some flowers around and it was really just to kind of spread awareness for the blog. I don't even think I had anything. I think I might've had like little cards or something with the blog URL. Like it was a blog spot. This is so like going back in the day. And one, and I put, you know, I told all my friends, all my family, I said, just spread the word. And one of my neighbors, this guy, Justin, who I love, I grew up with him. He's a great guy. He's now he's a politician actually in New York. Um, he said to me, let me reach out to some of my friends and see if anybody wants to cover it. Like the local papers. So a local paper called the Brooklyn Daily Eagle came and they took some pictures of me and they did a little story and it was like kind of a big deal, I guess, because it was local, but it was still really small. Yeah. And apparently this is what they call like a feeder paper. So other media companies and other newspapers see stories and they like pull those stories from that paper. And I woke up the next day and I'm not kidding. The Daily Mail had written a story on me. No. It's, oh my yeah, God. In, yeah, in the UK. I know. That's MSN amazing. Australia, Glamour UK. It went viral because the name, the champagne diet piqued yeah. people's interest. So once like every newspaper would pick it up and then it was like the hot topic. And I literally went viral. This was like 2011. You can Google it. It's wild. So I was everywhere. I was like all of Cosmo, South Africa. Like it oh literally blew God. up. Yeah. Um, I think Eater covered it here in New York. Like a lot of places it, it just like blew up. So that was kind of interesting because then I I had more eyes on me at that point. So I say this all to to tell people like, you don't need to give your, you don't need to wait for somebody to like throw you a party or throw an event, or you don't have to wait for somebody to invite you to speak on a stage. Like that's my biggest mission is like, choose yourself. Like I threw a blog party at a local bookstore, like no idea what I was doing. I was just like, let me see what happens. And not everything's going to be a huge success, but like that just did take off for whatever reason. And if I hadn't put myself out there and I was like sitting home, like, dreaming about it, it never would have happened. Yeah. 
So from that point, I started to get inquiries about my coaching, you know, cause they wrote a thing that I coached. And of course I went on my blog and I posted, I was like, I'm doing a group session starting next week. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Just decided. So that was really how I did it. And it was a slow burn at first. I mean, my first coaching client, I think I charged like $60 an hour, you know, and yeah. now I charge like 500 an hour to coach. Cause obviously years and years of experience, but I started small. Yeah. And I started to build it up and I, I worked like I, I side hustled, I guess, for six out of the eight years that I was at MTV. Wow. So it takes time and it takes yeah. patience. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are not willing to talk about how long it really does take and the right. amount of patience and dedication that's required because we yeah. see people who are really successful and we think it happened overnight. But what is that saying? Like every overnight success story is 10 years in the making. Yeah. And yeah. so true. So freaking true. Absolutely. The hustle for success. I mean, and so we're in an anti-hustle culture right now. And yeah. I'm like, I get that messaging, but I'm also very against that messaging. Because Same. Success doesn't come easy. Like you have to put the grind in and what you just said, like you have to take these kind of crazy leaps of faith. Like that never would have happened for you unless you made it happen for yourself first with that blog party. Yeah. And it's still that way. I mean, all these years later, I'm still creating opportunities for myself. I don't have a manager, you know, I don't have anyone that is handing me things and presenting things to me. Like I'm going out there and seeking opportunities constantly and meeting people and traveling and collaborating with other women, you know, and if I didn't do that, I, nothing would happen. I would just be like in this little vacuum, just sitting here every day, posting on Instagram, recording podcasts. Like you really got to put yourself out there. Right. Which is what most people are doing, right? They're just sitting home alone and waiting. Waiting. Yeah. Waiting. Absolutely. I know. And I, I think about that here because I feel very called and then COVID happened, but I was like, I need to put an event on and, you know, like multiple speakers and da, 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 And it's like, then just go make it happen. Most people are sitting there waiting for like somebody to ask them to speak or ask them to, you know, be at their event or something. It's like, no, just go do it yourself. Like why yeah. not a freaking show? Yeah. yeah. You've got to be hungry. You have yeah. to be hungry. And it's, it like, I don't, I understand where people are coming from. Like they're afraid, but you figure it out as you go. I mean, yeah. Google is your best friend, Google university, yeah. as I call it, everyone gets accepted. It's totally free to go. <laughs> you can learn anything, um, YouTube, like anything books. Like there's, we're in an, an age right now. I think where we have so much at our fingertips, we have access to so much information to so many people we wouldn't have access to. Yeah. If you're not taking advantage of that, like it's never like you're never going to go anywhere. You're never going to get any and you're never going to have those experiences. So if you want to leave a legacy in this world and like feel fulfilled every day and get excited about your life, like you've got to go for it. Yeah. I mean, it really is like anything you want to learn, anything you want to do is available. Like you don't have to spend a hundred grand at a university. No. Like everything is available online. It's yep. it's actually crazy. Yeah. Um, well, tell me this, let's talk about kind of what you were just touching on, right? The women that might have a side hustle or, or they're stay at home moms, or they've got a corporate job, whatever it is, but they've got these like dreams and this, you know, this burning desire in their heart to like do more, to leave a legacy. I know for me before I kind of just felt like, is this it? Like, I love my kids. They're awesome. But like, I feel like I'm meant for more, you know, that whisper deep down in your soul that you're like yeah. you're meant to do big things. We all are meant to do big things. We just need to listen to that whisper. But where, where would you suggest women start? You know, I think allow yourself to dream. And this is like one question I ask all of my clients. Like if you, if money wasn't an issue, 
like pretend that you're independently wealthy, right? You hit the lotto, you have a trust fund, whatever. If money didn't matter, what would you be doing every day? I ask my people the same thing. And I always say money and time, right? Unlimited income, unlimited time. What would you create? And like, I think I, I believe, and I would love to hear what you think on this, because I think a lot of people don't really take the time out, right? They're not stepping out of their life or back from their life. They're reading the books and they're listening to the podcasts, but they're just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. I'm like, no, no, no. You need to stop and do the work. You need to implement. You need to think. You need to write. You need to dream. And I think a lot of people are missing the action that's involved there. They're missing the action and they're starting from, I want to build a business. I want to be an entrepreneur. What's going to make me money? What can I do? And it's like, no, like don't start, but it's great to want to have a business, but number one, it's not for everybody. So I think if you start from what am I really passionate about, then how can I create a business around it? That's what's going to be sustainable for you, right? If you love something, if you love cooking, right? What can you do? How can you turn that into a business? Can you become a meal prep person? Can you start a YouTube channel and record your recipes? Can you partner with companies and be an ambassador? Can you give cooking lessons? Can you know open a restaurant, whatever. But if you start from like, oh, I just really want to build a business. Well, what does that really even mean? Right? So start from your passion place and then everything, you can figure everything out. You can monetize basically anything these days, right? So it's like amazing. So yeah, start with the passion, start with what makes you feel alive. You know, that's always like a question that I ask people too. Like what really makes you feel alive? What do you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What could you, what could you never stop talking about? Yeah. You know, and that's like how I've been pivoting now in my business. I'm like, well, what do I want? What am I not shutting up about? Like what's waking me up every day? What conversations am I having? And that's like what leads me to the next season, as I call it, of, of what I'm doing, because there's so many seasons in our businesses, right? Like we go through different phases. So yeah, I think that's really the, the biggest secret to success is really beginning with what you love. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but that's just the truth. Yeah, no, I, you couldn't, I, I mean, that's just, you hit the nail head on. And it's like, I, I, a lot of times will ask people like, what did you love when you were little? Even, mm-hmm. you know, like go back to that, like childhood wonder that you had, but I mean, and, and I love this exercise of like, go into your day, just imagining like being on the lookout, like, what is the world showing me? Like, where am I like getting excited and happy? And where am I like, Oh, this is, this sucks. Right. Yeah. And like pay attention to the, those things and like where you're getting excited and happy is where you're supposed to like spend more time and try to actually, then you have to go to your calendar, right? How do I create more space and more time where I'm doing those things that light me up? Totally. And so often I think like our superpower is so innate that we can't see it. You know, I um, just had this experience where in my coaching world, I never, ever post about food, even though I'm a health and fitness coach, because I, I do not cook. I'm like, I don't cook. I don't want to be in the kitchen, private chef, meal service all the way, you know? Yeah. And I shared a recipe, like a, like a 30 second dessert recipe and it went viral. And I was like, but I don't want to share about food. I don't want to share about cooking. And I was like, but wait a second, I've made that dessert every six, like six days a week for the last seven years. And it's like the things so often that are so close to us that we think are silly or, you know, just wouldn't turn into a business. Those are the things somebody I was talking to recently um, was like a discount bargain hunter. And she built a six, seven figure business with couponing, you know, showing other yeah. people just her hobby and totally, yeah. a huge business. Yeah. 
I love that. And I love the dessert thing because you know how many women are just like you, myself included, where I just want easy. Do you remember that show on the Food Network, Semi-Homemade with Sandra Lee? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a huge show because, and yes. that's me. Like I buy the rotisserie chicken already made. I just have to shred it up and I throw it in a salad kit that I get from Trader Joe's. Like exactly. we yes. sometimes forget that like the things that are important to us and that we love, like there are so many people can relate to that. You know, it doesn't have to be this big elaborate meal that you see everybody else on TikTok or whatever making. It could be yes. what's true to you. It should be what's true to you. So I love yes. that. Absolutely. And that applies to so much, right? Especially like in the social media world. It's like, we're trying to copycat what other people are doing when it's not what we're doing. And just always going back to like your thing, the way you do it, like your authentic life and self, like that's the secret to your success. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. Well, what else? Let's like, do you have like five tips or five? I mean, first of all, your books, right? Girl on Fire. I mean, lit me up like there's no tomorrow. I've read it a thousand <laughs> times. I've gifted it to a million people. Oh, thank um, you. I mean, they're all amazing, but like, what are your top like takeaways? Maybe just from that specific book, what would you yeah. say? Yeah. So that book, just for anyone that's, that hasn't read it yet, that book I wrote after my journey with, um, so I, I self-published in the beginning of my career. And the reason I self-published is because my first book was rejected 19 times by 19 different publishers. And I faced so much rejection that I literally could have said, I'm not going to do this. You know, this is not for me. I'm not good enough. You know, these people are not picking well, me. Most choosing people me. would have said that after like two rejections. Right. So right. I'm proud of you for getting <laughs> 17 or 19, whatever you just said. <laughs> yeah. And I decided to self-publish and I did. And, um, girl code was my fourth book that I self-published and I did three out of those four books while working full-time like side hustling and girl code for some reason went viral and it took off. And I sold like 50,000 copies in the, in the first year on my own, which is like unheard of even with traditional publishing. And I'm so thankful to everybody you included who read that book and loved that book and talked about it. Cause I do think, especially the network marketing space helped that book really blow up yeah. because everybody was reading it because it just applied, right? Like women helping women. Yeah. Like collaboration over competition. So anyway, after that book blew up, um, Penguin Random House approached me, like one Ooh. of the biggest publishers. And yes. they offered me a double book deal to buy Girl Code and then do another book with them. And I accepted the deal because I had always dreamed of having a traditional publisher. Yeah. And I hated the experience. It was the most depressing, like 18 months of my life. I was so unhappy. It was just not what I expected it to be. And I really missed self-publishing and being an independent author. Is it because of the control of the content, the writing? Not so much that I did have a fabulous editor and I will never say anything like necessarily bad about the people, but it's the model that didn't work for me. It's very antiquated. Um, it's, you know, the timeline from when you're signing your contract to seeing your book on the shelf is like at least 18 months, sometimes longer. Um, so many different people weighing in a lot of red tape, you know, just things that I'm not used to. Like, I don't follow rules. Like I do what I want when I want, you know, you're in so, flow. Usually, I'm right? in flow. Yeah. And by the time the book, the book it's called like, she owns the place. And I love that book. I think it's one of my best books, but it like, I was kind of over that conversation by the time the book came out, I was like on to the next thing. Yeah. And there were just other things. Like, I mean, they keep like the lion's share of the royalties. They own the rights to your book. And kind of had this moment where I was just really, really unhappy. So Girl on Fire is actually the book I wrote after I broke away from my publisher, Mm. went back to indie publishing, self-publishing. And I just fell back in love with the process of choosing myself and deciding that I got to call the shots and decide how I want the book to look and when it's going to come out and everything from the cover. I mean, you're not picking the cover when you're with a traditional publisher. 
Um, so yeah, so that book is really just about that. And like, just, it's about being multi-passionate, which I am as well. I do so many different things. I have an online vintage boutique that I run a couple times a year. Oh my um, God, that's so cool. I, yeah, I just, that's awesome. yeah. I love, um, I'm just a creative person. I really consider myself like an artist before anything else, right? Like I have to create, I love creating art and not just like paint. I don't paint, but like my words are my art. You know, that's how I communicate. It's what I share. So the book is really about like how to handle having multiple passions and, and, you know, just decide that you're enough. I think like, again, we wait for someone to say, you're, you're good enough to be an author. Now you're good enough to be a coach. You're good enough to leave your job. And it's like, it really just is about, us choosing ourselves, not waiting for permission, um, not following by a certain set of rules, following, you know, a certain set of rules to live your life and, and to build your dream business and dream world. So I feel like those are the biggest takeaways from that book. Yeah. Um, so powerful generosity, using generosity as a, a growth strategy, you know, in your business and your personal life. I think so many of us tend to feel threatened. I think a lot of people just have this natural sort of lack mentality. Like there's not enough you know, like I, I actually talk to a lot of my clients who do, you know, free classes or free like live streams. And they're like, I don't want to give away all my information. And I'm like, you can't, there's no way you can't give away everything. Like you're endless, right? You're, you have so much to give and so much in you. And, you know, I think when people come to you and want to work with you, whether you're their coach or they're learning something from you, they want your energy and that will never run out. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially if you're coming from that space, right? Like it'll run out if you're not coming from that space. Exactly. I remember in the beginning of my kind of takeoff to success, there was, um, what book was it? I think it was the go-giver by Bob Berg. I don't know if you ever read that, but one of his principles, guiding principles in that book is like, you know, you have to give more in value than you receive in payment. And when Mm. you do that every day, you know, the financial success will come. And it was like this huge light bulb moment for me, instead of, you know, kind of that scorekeeping of like, I'm going to give this to get this. It was like, oh, I just need to wake up every single day and over serve every single person, unlimited, right? You can never get enough. And then that's where the success really started to come. It's so true. I've always been that way. And I just, I've never felt like anyone was taking anything from me. I think I always gauge myself and and make sure I have boundaries, right? We want to make sure we're not like giving to the point where we're exhausted or depleted, but like, you know, my books, for example, aren't available in every single country. You know, there are some countries where they can't get it. So I'll just, I'll, you know, tell someone who messages me from like a random place, like, what's your email address? I'm going to send you the PDF so you can read it digitally. And there's that one move Yes. For me, cost me nothing. It takes two seconds of my time and they will never forget that moment. Yeah. You know, and you turn someone who was like a follower into like a super fan and they're so appreciative of you. And it like, I don't know what more of us just need to do that. Cause like, it yes. does come back to you. Just being yeah. a good person always does. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so I'm curious, what do you, what do your practices look like? I know probably the biggest question that I get asked all the time is like, what is your morning process? You know, what does that look like? And I'm a huge believer in that. Like just for me, you know, it's not for everybody, but I like to have, even if it's five or 10 minutes, like I have to kind of take that time in the morning and get centered and look at my goals and my vision and that kind of stuff. But I always say like your morning process needs to just light you up. It doesn't matter what it is. It just needs to light you up. So what does yours look like? Do you kind of believe, do you have that like morning process philosophy? 
Yeah. I mean, I kind of just do what feels good in the morning, which is usually always the same thing. Like I first wake up, I've worked very hard to not have to get up to an alarm clock. And I think that's like the biggest gift anyone can give themselves because my body just wakes up when it wants to. And I'm so grateful every day for that. So as soon as I wake up, I just say like a quick gratitude prayer, you know, like I thank God for like everything that I have. And I, you know, if I'm, especially if I'm struggling and I'm kind of like not in the mood or I'm tired, I'll make myself like say five things. And then those five things become 10 things and then 10 things become 15 things, you know? And I really kind of like hone in on that. I'll look around my apartment and just be like, thank God for this couch and this, you know, like everything. Yeah. Um, so that really is a major thing that I want to highlight really quick. I think there's a little, for me, again, there's a difference between I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful. When you say, thank you, mm-hmm. you know, thank you. Like I've done that. I, I got into a habit at one point where before I went to bed, I was like, you know, locking the doors, shutting the lights off. I would just kind of walk around and like, thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. And there's something about that little two millimeter shift. That's powerful. Yeah. Because I think we get redundant with the like gratitude list in our mind, you know? Yeah. So true. It's so yeah. true. I even, yeah, I say that when I'm paying bills and I know that sounds crazy, but I'm like, thank you. You know, that I can pay these bills. I can pay this tax bill. I have enough money to pay my rent. Like we take that for granted and we can dread sometimes, especially financial stuff. But if yeah. you can flip that and say, I'm so glad that I can do this, yeah. you know, that I, I am earning enough income where I can buy this food. I can, you know, yeah. treat my mom to dinner or whatever that looks like. Yeah. I heard an expression a long time ago where it was, I have problems in areas where I didn't used to have areas. <laughs> like we got to be grateful <laughs> for that. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So funny. gratitude. And then just, um, I put on music. I have music on in my apartment 24 seven. I don't really watch TV, especially news. Like I read the headlines, I get a New York times morning briefing and that's it. I don't go into that. I don't doom scroll. I don't do any of that. Um, I'm aware, but I'm not like entrenched in all of it. And I think that's important for my energy. Um, so I listen to music. I try to set an intention for the day. Sometimes I forget, but you know, I just try just to say, okay, today I'm going to just be in a space of peace. It can be something as simple as that today. I'm not going to let the small stuff get to me. You know, I'm going to keep a good attitude today. I, I, control my thoughts, whatever it looks, you know, whatever sounds yeah. good to you. And I actually don't schedule any appointments out of the house before 11 AM. Yeah. Pretty and I wake up early. Yeah. 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 I love that. But I hate so rushing. Like, yeah. And your day is really split, right? You get yeah. this time to be home and to be focused and to be centered and to do the work. It's kind of like the me work versus the outside work. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my morning. It's like, it's really simple. A lot of coffee, yeah. <laughs> a lot of candles, coffee, light my candles. Coffee. Yeah. And before I just like, before I start responding to people and things, I think I always take time for myself. Like I'll read an article that I bookmarked or read a little bit of one of my books, um, you know, that I'm currently reading. Like I'm so into memoirs lately. So I've just been like gobbling them up and, you know, that really helps me, like you said, feel like I have time for myself before I have to go out there and give to others. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. You just touched on so many things. So my mind's just like swirling with thoughts. So I I do want to go back to this because I think people are so um, just unconscious about it. I was um, flying back from Atlanta, I think two days ago. And the woman next to me had the news on like the TV on the back of the chair. And I, I was like, just like getting like this is, oh my God, this is what everybody does in the world. Like, you know, yeah. it's never on here. And my mom, and this is super, you know, generational too, I think, but she's like a meditation teacher and a Reiki master, but she has the news blaring at all times. And I always tell her, I'm like, mom, that is no different than you smoking cigarettes all day. Like you used to smoke. 
that is, and she's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. And I'm like, it is like, how can you be this meditation person and you have toxic, like just toxicity pouring into your space all day, every day. And we do that with social media. We do that with, you know, just everything, the internet, the news, TV, even I think television shows that are darker. It seems like every show, every new series that comes out is really dark. And I'm like, we are striving every day to live a light, a life in the light. And then we're sitting down to watch three hours of darkness. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I know. I won't watch any of that stuff. Like the only thing I ever put on every now and then are like sex in the city reruns or the real housewives. And that's it. I want to escape. If I put the TV on, that's it. Maybe the Kardashians once in a while, (laughs) but I'm, I can't sit there and do that. And I mean, the media is sensationalist. They want us hooked. They want us sucked in. And there's a difference between being informed and knowing what's going on in the world and feeding into that news cycle. And the news cycle is toxic. They never say anything new. It's the same thing over and over again. It's scary. It's even the sounds. Like if you ever like listen, like the sound effects they have, it's like, it's just so jarring, you know? And it's, what's the point? There's really no point. Like you said, it's like eating junk food all day. It's the same right. thing. It's, to- it's yeah. poisoning your body. Yeah, absolutely. Poisoning your mind for yeah. sure. Yep. So I want to highlight that. Um, and then I want to know, like, what's your, what's your day-to-day look like now? Are you, you're still coaching private coaching, group coaching, you know, what are you, what are you doing in the day to day? So day to day, I have a handful of private clients at any given time and I coach Monday through Wednesday. So I probably will see like maybe two or three clients a week. Cause everybody sort of, you know, they use me as they need. So like every other week I'm seeing people. So I've got like a handful of clients that I check in with. Um, I record a podcast episode when I feel like it, I really don't do my podcast on a schedule and everyone gets mad at me, but I'm like, I can't force the ideas. Like, I'm not just going to bang out episodes for the sake of doing it. It's more like, you know, um, right now I'm working on a new book. So I'm doing a lot of writing, um, and a lot of just like editing and talking to my editor and my writing coach and brainstorming and stuff like that. Um, but I have a lot of free time and I mean, it's like a lot of my income's passive. So I'll launch things every now and then, like I just launched a self-publishing course that lasted a week, you know, the launch phase, um, planning a meetup. I'm going to London next week. So I'm working on that. So my days, my whole schedule is very dynamic. It's always changing, just kind of depending on what's going on at the moment. Um, I do masterminds a couple times a year. So it's like a group coaching environment. Yeah. Collaborating. I have a, a group, like a monthly membership group. Yeah. So tonight we have a call today at four o'clock, we have a call. Um, so yeah, it's fun. It's always changing. And I think that's what I love so much about what I do. It's like, I decide what's next. Um, yeah. It doesn't feel monotonous at all or like routine. And yeah. if it does, I switch it up. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, let me ask you this though, with this like dynamic entrepreneurship, are you, do, are, do you feel like you're at a place where you've created enough space and free time? Was there a phase in this journey where you were just like, oh my gosh, I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm burnt out. I'm exhausted. And how do you make that pivot? Right. Because I think I've certainly experienced that where there's a fear that comes up. Like if I'm not burning the candle at both ends, I'm not going to be as successful. Mm -hmm. So what does that pivot look like? I mean, I think at this point, there was definitely a period where I was like laying the foundation, right. Where I had a lot of clients. I wasn't turning anybody away. I was working around everyone else's schedule. So I was coaching like six days a week, including on the weekends, if I had to not every day, but I was always available. And I got to a point where I really had to think about my week. And I started by giving myself myself Fridays off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to work on a Friday. I'm just going to work Monday through Thursday. 
And then I was like, well, I don't really want to work on a Thursday either. So then I gave myself Thursday off. And when I say off, I'm always checking in. I'm always thinking about my work, but I'm not available to people in the way that I am Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So anytime I have anything like a podcast interview or a meeting or a call for my group or a private client, that's when it happens Monday through Wednesday. And that helps keep me on track. It helps keep me energized. Um, it gives me like stuff to look forward to. So I have four full days to do whatever I want with no obligation. And that was really important for me to build in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it took time. It definitely took time. And it took a lot of groundwork. Like I said, I have to actually tell myself sometimes like you don't have to create something new every day because I have, you know, probably 300 podcast episodes. I have nine books. I've got a membership that people can go in and and listen to like old calls. I've got so much content online. And I, that is something I have to be aware of that. Like, I'm not going to become irrelevant if I don't, you know, write a new book every single year, but that thought does creep in my mind sometimes. And that's the programming I think that we have in our culture of like, keep going, keep creating, keep building. But when do you say, you know what, I'm actually just going to chill right now. Like I actually just, yeah, yeah. I spoke to one of my girlfriends today who's in the same boat and she's like, I just want to have a summer where like, I don't have to work and I don't want to feel guilty about that. And I totally relate. Yes. I totally relate too. And it's like, at what point, you know, you're doing it all to create a life, but then you're not living that life. Exactly. And I totally get that. And then the blessing of the, and the curse of like the entrepreneurial mind, like it never sleeps, you know what I mean? So (laughs) you have this heart that's like, I just want a summer to not work, but then your mind's like telling, you know, I think it's more even the heart of like a visionary right? Your mind's always like, I need to create this. I need to do this. I need to, you know, do this project, whatever it is. And yeah, it's, it's not an easy mind to live with. That's for sure. No, it's not. It never shuts off. And sometimes I wonder, I'm like, do I have like ADHD or something? Like what? Like I Googled it. I'm like, (laughs) what's wrong with my brain? It never stops. (laughs) I probably do have it. Who knows? But you know what? It serves me. I guess it serves you, right? Like, I do think that's part of it as well. Like just embracing like no one's perfect. We all have things we wish we could change about ourselves. But like, if we didn't have that visionary mindset and that, that way of thinking, we wouldn't be where we are today. Right. For sure. sure. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, I definitely, I have a super addictive personality and I'm like, that is my biggest blessing and my biggest curse. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I, my dad was an addict and I remember my mom sitting me down when I was young and saying like, you can never touch a drug, especially cocaine. Cause that was his drug of choice you can't touch this because I know you already. I was like young, you know, she's like, you will love it. And I never touched a drug in my life. Like I have my wine and stuff, but I'm not addicted. You know, it gets so different, but I, I was able to know at a young age that I did have that in my DNA and I use that. I apply that mentality towards my work. I'm addictive about my life and my work and what I'm creating. So I I tried to turn it into something healthy, like knowing, having that knowledge that like, okay, this could have gone down a very different road. Um, And I'm thankful every day that my mom did have that conversation with me because I for sure could have gotten caught up in all of that. Yes. Yes. So I'm actually in recovery. I've been sober since I was 21 and I see, so we, I talk about this a lot because I don't think it's a conversation. I'm like, especially in the world of addiction, you know, you're an addict or an alcoholic and that's your identity. And that was certainly something that I felt like I had to like hold on to because of the fear of relapse. But I, I, it wasn't until I was probably like 15, 20 years sober that I was like, and then I started to have this like obsession and this rise to success that I was like, wait a second, this totally works for me. <laughs> you know, And I, yeah. I started to see it as a gift. And 
I see that with my son who's getting ready to turn 14 ever since he was little. I'm like, uh oh, I think he's got the gene. Yeah. And he's an Uber athlete. And so it's like sitting him down and saying, you know, you can, if you have this genetic trait, like you can use it to, to do whatever you want and to become in the world. Yeah. Or it can be your biggest demise, you know? 100%. And, and there's so many people I think out there that label that as just a hundred percent negative and like a scarlet letter. And I'm like, no, this can be your greatest gift. Yeah. If you have like that drive in you to kind of like to overcome that, you know, and even with me, like I have definitely had moments in my life, like with drinking, for example, during the pandemic, I could see myself slowly drinking more and more, you know, Oh, I'll just have a glass of wine at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, it's, I'm not doing anything anyway, the whole world. And I had to really be so cognizant of that because I was like, Carrie, you can go down that road. So like cut it out now and go do something, go write, go work out. You know, that's kind of where I channel like my, cause it's all anxiety, right? It's like that you're putting it into something else. So I think having the wherewithal, not everyone has it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but if you do have that knowledge about yourself, I think that's so powerful. And I think it's, I mean, again, I can't speak to this cause I've never been an alcoholic or in recovery, but like, if you can find the support system that you need and, you know, hopefully for some people that is enough, but having that support, like I have friends who are recovering alcoholics and like, they're like, if I didn't have people around me telling me. I can be okay. Who knows what would have happened? You know? Absolutely. So it's not always just on you to recognize it, but it's reaching out and getting the help that you need for somebody to be like, no, let's redirect this. Let's give you something else to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I always say I want, the only friends I want in my life are the people that are like going to call me on my shit. Right. Totally. I I want that tough love. I don't want anyone that's going to co-sign my stuff or placate me. I'm like, give it to me, give it to me, you know? Yeah. Especially as you become more successful and more well-known as an entrepreneur or a public figure, like there are a lot of people who will yes you to death. Right. So, cause they just want you to be happy. They want to be liked by you and in your good graces. So that's something else to look out for. I think just recognizing like who's really on my side and, and has my best interest at heart yeah. and who just wants to be in my space. Cause there's yeah. a big difference, big difference, huge, huge. You touched on something just now um, that I think is really important, whether you're a drinker or not a drinker, everything in between. Um, You know, I feel like we turn to alcohol or too much wine or too much sugar or whatever it is. It's 100% just because we want to change how we feel, right? Like totally change or alter our mindset. Well, that's why during the pandemic, I found myself drinking more because there was nothing, nowhere else to go to shift my mind, to put me in a different mental state. So I knew well, if I can drink, I'll go to a different place. Yeah. I'll shut down. Like yeah. so fast, right? It's crazy. Yeah. And it's definitely, you know, not as quick with meditation or journaling or writing and things like that. But, the, and, and I think the large majority, and this does not come from a place of judgment at all. It's just truly observation. The large majority of society you know, does the quick, the quick mood altering, you know, substances, whether it's food, alcohol, drugs, whatever. And the the small percentage, I feel like of people that are evolving and uplifting this world are choosing this kind of newer path, really. I mean, it's been around forever, but it certainly hasn't been that largely tapped into. And so going into that conversation, like, what are the things that you turn to when you hit a rough spot, when you hit you know, kind of a lower bottom where you're just like, Oh, I'm really struggling these days or I'm stuck. Like what, what do you implement? For me, exercise has been the biggest thing that has saved me and kept me on like a good healthy track. Like 
going and releasing endorphins, you know, and getting that hit just from your body, like feeling good and feeling strong has been amazing. And it also makes me really tired. So it's like, then I'm less inclined to like go out and party or like eat too much. Like I feel like just naturally like peaceful. Yeah. Um, So for sure, I'm not the best meditator, but I can tell you when I do meditate, that makes a big difference in the way that I feel as well. It takes me out of whatever cycle I'm in where I'm wanting to like overeat or drink too much or not sleep or go out. And I'm like, it just resets me. And I really need to do it more because every time I talk about meditating, I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. Why don't I do it more often? (laughs) Why do we though? Right. We take the path of least resistance. Yeah. Easier to just go do that one quick thing. Like you said, go eat that meal and have that piece of chocolate or whatever it is that makes us feel good in the moment. But then it always makes us feel like crap afterwards. That's what I always try to think about too. Like if I'm going to eat this food, then I know like I want Chinese food all the time. I'm always like craving like greasy takeout Chinese. And I have to literally have the conversation with myself and go, how are you going to feel after the 10 minutes of eating that food? You're going to feel like garbage. So just don't do it. But it takes... Right. It's like the self-awareness. So yeah, I think exercise, um, walking as well, just walking around my neighborhood, you know, switching up my environment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to Tony, right? You're changing your state and can change your state really quickly when you move your body. It's the old philosophy, like, you know, what is it? Move a muscle, change a thought. I think that's the way it goes. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, when you move your body, you can like quickly shift your, yourself out of things. Yeah. I love that. And I, of course I love, like, like you said, it, it's not just the exercise in that moment, like it trickles, right? It's like, that's going to affect what you're eating for dinner that night. That's going to affect your sleep, which is going to affect the next day and and everything like that. Um, But let's go back to meditation because (laughs) you and I both don't do it enough. Um, But I also want to give kind of permission to the audience of like, so I, I worked with like a guru because probably 15 years ago, I was like, I need to meditate. I really need to learn this. And she used to call it a sit, which I love. She's mm. like, we're going to go on this meditation. You're just going to sit. And we're going to start with three minutes. And I was like, oh, I can sit for three minutes. And that was how I started that journey of like, just reframing it as, you know, there's no expectation. You're literally just sitting there for three minutes. And then you're going to sit for five. And then you're going to sit for 10. And I think a lot of times people think they need to like think of nothing or have a mantra or something. And you and I probably both meditate more than we think because music Mm -hmm. and journaling and, you know, kind of seeing our vision come to life. I think that's all a form of meditation. You know, it's so funny you say that because I have a friend and he said to me the other day, he goes, you know, you just look so peaceful lately. He's like, you just look really at peace. Like, what is it? And I really don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it till right now. And you said that I have just been home a lot the past couple of weeks. Like I've just like my dog passed away a few weeks ago. I just put him down. It was like horrible, but it was, he was very sick and it was just, it was like a lot of chaos in my apartment and I didn't want to be home a lot because he was always barking and it was just really chaotic and sad to see. So now that I'm home, now that he's passed and I'm in my space, I'm like really like hunkering. Like I'm, I'm joking around with everyone. I'm like, I'm such a hermit. I don't go anywhere, <laughs> but I really have been just sitting a lot, whether it's reading or like just listening to music or just sitting and being with myself. And it probably is on some level meditation, right? Absolutely. Because there's no distraction anymore. Yeah. It's just me. And I was afraid of that at first. Like when he was gone, I'm like, it's so quiet in here, but I think it's sinking in now. And I'm like, yeah. wow, like just being here in this space alone, it's, I was beating myself up and I'm like, well, I'm not really doing a whole lot. You know, I'm just kind of just chilling out, but like that's work too, right? That counts. Yes. That's, 
building ourselves back up to where we need to be to do the next thing. Absolutely. And this is kind of a crazy thing to bring up, but I really just felt it when you said that about like, you know, your dog was there all the time and there was kind of this chaos season and like now you're just alone in the silence. And I I remember when my father passed away probably about 15 years ago, I remember feeling like, you know, I was always an extension of him or there was like a, a connection to this person. And when he passed away, it was like, I like I stood on my own two feet for the first time. Like there was an independence, which sounds kind of crazy. I mean, oh, and I it get was it. horrible yeah. when my father passed away. It was horrible when you have to put a dog down, but it's like all of a sudden it's just you. Mm-hmm. And that is so radically different. And there is, there's a stepping into yourself that is so grounding and so powerful. Yeah. I got divorced in January of 2020, having no idea COVID was coming, like no clue. Wow. Yeah. Talk about, wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I've got impeccable timing. <laughs> well, so, the universe probably does though. Yeah. And you know, I, I was single for a little bit, but I was kind of seeing someone and then I got into another serious relationship, you know, pretty soon after. And, you know, that ended in the end of December. So I have been totally single and now it's June. So for like six months, I've been really, truly single. Yeah. And I was terrified at first. Cause same thing. It's just really quiet. There's no one to text. There's no one to call with good news, with bad news. There's no one to share a bed with. There's no one to talk about your dreams with. Yeah. And it was the first time in my life. Cause I've been in relationships for 20 years. You know, I was yeah. my first boyfriend, seven years. Then I got married and it was just nonstop. And now this is the first time that I'm really with myself and I'm like loving it. Like I'm not looking for someone. I'm not like, you know, at the beginning I was on the apps. I was like, I need to go out. I need to meet people. And now I'm like, I I don't care. Like, I'm just, I feel really good with just me. I'd love to meet someone. I'd love to be in love again, but I'm just happy with myself. And it's really proving to myself. Like you said, I can stand on my own two feet. Like I actually can do this on my own. I don't want to be on my own forever, but like I can, and it's, it's still really good. Well, and that's when you're going to find him, right? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna talk to you and you're going to be like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Well, I don't want to keep you forever because I think we could chat all freaking I know, day. right? <laughs> um, tell me what's next for you. Um, so I'm actually working on a memoir right now. First memoir I've ever written. It's my Wait, first it's non- yeah. It's like, it's all about, it actually starts, um, when I like get divorced, it's from that point to now. Um, and I'm talking all about just like everything that I learned along the way, like being alone, dating, um, what life looks like after divorce, especially during COVID and all of that. I turned 40 right after, you know, the COVID hit, I turned 40 April, 2020. So it was a wild wow. couple of years for me. And this is not going to be like a self-help prescriptive kind of book, not personal development book, like nothing like I've ever written before. But I really just do hope that in me sharing like what I've learned, it will inspire other women who have found themselves in similar situations, whether they're, you know, getting married, uh, getting divorced or leaving a relationship. But again, it really does come down to choosing yourself because at the end of the day, like in each chapter you see, like I'm back to me, you know, it's like, I keep coming back to myself and everything that I'm, I'm learning, I hope inspires people and, you know, inspires women to like leave a situation that doesn't feel right for them and have the courage to walk away. Cause I think so many of us don't, and it took me a really long time. So I'm working on that now and it's totally new for me. This topic is new for me to talk about. So it's exciting. That's really exciting. And oh my gosh, I mean, I can tell you already, I know it's going to impact just millions of lives. I'm sure that's thank you. Let's hope. I hope so. Wait to read it. 
Well, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the podcast. This hour is just like lit me up like there's no tomorrow. Oh, me too. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Absolutely. Wow. 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 Now, do you understand why she's my new best friend? She is next level, next level, amazing, next level, badass, Um, kindest, biggest heart in the world. I cannot wait to hear from my listeners to see what they took away from this episode. We'll see you guys next time.